Hello everyone, my name is Matthias and welcome back to Free Shipping, the podcast where we get to sit down with entrepreneurs, merchants, marketers, and more to learn about their journey. Having spent four years in e-commerce and speaking to some incredible people who have inspired me, I thought, why not share these stories with my network and hopefully these are shared even further. Today in the show, we have our fourth and final guest of the season. As always, you'll notice no guest is the same. Today, we'll be talking about nappies. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is actually going to be our last episode of the season for free shipping. And today in the show, we had a guest that I actually had the opportunity of working with, working with way back before COVID. So a lot has changed since then, and I'm sure we're going to dig into that. But to introduce our guest today, we have Kai Page, who is a seasoned digital leader with a broad range of experience, having worked across the travel and retail sectors. He brings 14 years of expertise to his role as head of digital at Bambino Mio, where he's made a big impact over the last five years. Under his digital leadership, the fast-growing and award-winning reusable nappy brand based in the UK saw a 40% increase in their direct-to-consumer turnover in the last year. Kai is passionate about digital innovation and driven by performance, making him a valuable asset to the Bambino Mio team. Quite the intro. Kai, thanks for for coming today. (laughs) No, nice, nice to be here, and uh, thanks for that. Uh, that quite uh, impressive uh, intro. Thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, looking back on it, I mean, all these things are true, but I think it's very rare that sometimes we look back on our time, just in general, but even at a specific merchant we were kind of worked at. And you have done a lot in the past five years, which we're going to dig into. But uh, when you kind of hear that back, does it sound a bit surreal at all? Yeah, I think it's always one of those things where you take a step back and have a different perspective on, you know, even what's happened in the last six months. And you go, oh, my goodness, there's so much has been achieved in that six months, both, you know, personally and with Bambi and Amir. So it's, uh, yeah, it's quite good to see it kind of up in lights, as they say. Yeah, yeah, it comes to fruition. Amazing. Well, I look, we have a lot of stuff to cover <laughs> cover today during our discussion. But to start off, I wanted to kind of go back and I wanted to start out first with just a bit of understanding how you fell into the e-commerce space before we delve into your time at Bino. So how did you actually kind of fall into it? Because I think as we think about it, e-commerce really, it's not that old of an industry. It's actually still quite new. So, you know, depending on when you got in, you were quite an early adopter. So let's maybe kind of go back to that. I'd love to hear a bit more. Yeah, sure. So it was a bit of, bit of a weird one, a bit of an odd circumstance. I was, um, I was at university. And I was about halfway through my course and um, I basically didn't, didn't really enjoy it. I kind of didn't, I loved the lifestyle of being at university as everyone does, but I didn't enjoy the course. And I, I'd got to that kind of inflection point, you know, you have these throughout your life where you go, um, you know, I want to be out in the world doing something. I, I didn't want to be at university anymore. So I, I came back home and when I got home, I was looking for all sorts of roles and I, I wanted it to be, you know, the term then was internet based. And I wanted it to be something to do with that, but I had no idea what it was. But I um I found a job and landed a job at a local jewelers in in not far from where I live. And they were running a, a very small web store, doing about 10 orders a day. And I was recruited to to basically run that store. And that kind of covered that was uh, everything was covered there. So it was like picking and packing. So down on the shop floor, picking the products, pick, bringing them upstairs, putting them in envelopes, writing handwritten let, uh, notes in there weighing them, taking to the post office. And then obviously the side I was really interested in, which was like, you know, uploading content, banners and adding products to sites, sending email newsletters, speaking to customers, emailing customers, 
working with agencies, both kind of search and web agencies. So it was a kind of a, a real crash course in, in how small web stores would operate. Uh, it was obviously on some very old tech, which was very clunky, but um, that was, that's, that was kind of the, that was a start. And then within the next three years, we kind of, the business pivoted a little bit and started selling more lower value products on that. So in terms of like Pandora beads and stuff like that, we um, went from about 10 orders a day to peak around several hundred orders over a day. And that was also my first experience of leading a team as well. So it was all quite quick and a lot achieved a lot in about three years time. Um, but it was actually at that point where I went, yeah, e-commerce, digital, this is where I want to be. So, but yeah, it was very, very strange kind of entry into, into e-commerce. Yeah. The more conversations I'm having, whether it be someone who's working for a merchant or an entrepreneur who started it, it's often they kind of, I don't want to say fell into it, but it's pretty common that early on they're like the traditional structure of maybe like, you know, getting a degree in something very specific and continuing on to use that is not a common place. Everyone has their own journey, but it's definitely a theme. Prior to you doing that work, what experience did you have in actually working in commerce at all? Nothing. I... I think the only thing I had on, on there was I spent all my days, again, this is a very old term, but like surfing the web, I was always, I was, you know, well adept at buying things online and had a bit of an understanding actually around, you know, HTML and CSS, a real basic front end development yep. an understanding of, which obviously I had enough to tell the interviewer and, and, and got through that process, but yeah, pretty much nothing. Honestly, no, that's I mean, but it's great though, and it shows how much you can learn, I think, on the job. And obviously, you got everything from kind of your front end experience to your back of house to your logistics, which I think is so important for everyone to know. So, let's say that was kind of almost your e commerce university, per se. Yeah, and and then you moved on to from there. I think you were you were at somewhere before you went to Bambino, right? Yeah, so so after Stefan's which is the company I was at, I moved to, I basically moved into the travel industry and I spent about five years in travel across three different businesses, very different business models across all three of those as well. And what I, what I kind of found is I did a lot of, it started with being quite digital heavy and then it started, the role started to kind of morph into more general marketing. And it was kind of that last role that I had where I realized I'd lost my way a little bit. Yep. Moving away from digital was not what I wanted to do. And and it kind of landed into this more kind of generic marketing role, which was, you know, interesting at the same time, but not where I wanted to be. Uh, so I, I effectively was was contacted about a role, at, a digital marketing role at a local business who were leading the charge in reusable nappies and they were looking to change the world. And obviously at that point, I knew nothing about reusable nappies. I was not at the right life stage for that whatsoever. And it was a very, very new thing for me. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, I took, took, took the interview there and the friendliness and the energy of the, of the team that was there was really catching and they were, you know, they have a clear, they still do have that same clear purpose and they were trying to change the world. And so, you know, that's where, that's kind of where it landed and the role itself seemed quite, um, quite exciting as well at the same time, and, you know, the rest is history. Gotcha. So that was probably one of my things I was curious about you and you kind of highlighted this already was it wasn't that like, it sounds like you were a father at the time. So what, maybe we can delve a bit more into that. What about the brand, the mission, the people? And I know it's a, normally an amalgamation of all these things, but you know, if someone said to me, Hey, Matthias, you're going to go work at a reusable nappy company tomorrow, I'd probably be like, I'm not sure. 
but there's obviously so much more than the than what you think. So what about kind of that, all those things really tied you in and go like, yeah, this seems like maybe not a product that I normally, you know, be behind, but actually this is something I really, I really want to get behind. Yeah. I think, I think there's two parts to it. So the first one was, was the company and the company's mission and the the person I spoke to that, that hired me did a very good job of articulating the scale of the problem in terms of disposable nappies. And, you know, last year alone, two and a half billion nappies were, were, were thrown into landfill in the UK alone. So it just shows that the scale of the issue and, and there was so much passion about the purpose of trying to effectively rid the world of disposable nappies. And so, and that passion and that purpose is, is very catching. It's very infectious and, but it's also very clear, you know, there's, there's no, the purpose and commercial goals are very much aligned and that's always been the case. And it just means, you know, you can really crack on and, and, and if you achieve your, your, financial results, you are also achieving a very important purpose in the world. So that kind of that purpose, that mission side of it was really catching from the early days. And and all it's done really is it's never changed. It's just been re- reinforced and kind of the perspective on it has changed slightly to make it even more stronger over time. That's what kind of kept me at there or, or got me into the company. Yep. And then from a role wise perspective, it was was even was different. Again, it was the same there was a, it was a digital role to start with. That was yep. what, what hooked me. And then the scope was, was pretty much, there was no, there was, could be everything. So it's effectively, you need to come in and help us manage our digital marketing activity. And within, within kind of six months, my role changed quite significantly to focusing on the e-com channel. But what, I guess what, again, what happened then is also true today in the sense of it's so cliche, but no day is the same. There's always something new. There's always, there's always a new obstacle. There's always a new challenge to overcome. And that tends to be quite exciting because you don't get into any rut uh, at all. And there's, there's always so much scope for progression as, as the, as the company grows, because it's still a relatively small company, but has seen so much growth over the the last um, five years or so. So, yeah. 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 I feel like that's one thing about probably just working on a company that's based around the internet in general. But when even when we drill into e-commerce, the one thing that's interesting and it, it keeps it exciting, but also I will say, to be honest, sometimes I can be hitting my head against a wall is one minute what you're doing is working really, really well. And then all of a sudden there's some cosmic shift, which we've seen recently, obviously with like cookies and everything going on and you have to change everything. So what was working isn't anymore. And to your point, I think, you know, it keeps it interesting. But at the same time, I've definitely had conversations like, oh, I, I wish that aspect hadn't changed me. <laughs> yeah, you do want some things to stay easy so you can focus on some other bits. But yeah, no, you're right. I think you've just hit the nail on the head, especially with the, um, you know, the acquisition side of things. That's been something that I don't think any digital business has, has escaped, really. And that's been a, a big a big thing that used to work well. And our, our entire acquisition model and channels have, have, been, have changed a lot over the last few years. But that's uh, that's kind of the point now where you just have to adapt and you know go again and and work out a way of still acquiring good quality customers. So yeah, I completely empathise with that. Yeah, and I mean speaking of kind of change, you know you've seen a lot of change at Bambino, both in the size of the company, the technology you use, your role. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, if, if you can cast your mind back to, I think it was 2017 when you joined, which seems it's five years ago. 
what did the company look like then versus what does it look like now? And I guess it's with that question, it's more so not only what did the teams look like, but where was the focus and has it, how has it shifted, if, if at all, not away from the mission, but just in maybe channels, testing new things, et cetera? Yeah, well, I think, like you just said, actually, it was completely different in many ways, but it was so much smaller, like everything was, was, was significantly smaller in everything but the ambition and the mission. That's the only thing that's remained kind of really constant. We were, we had like, even to a physical level, we had lots less space. You know, we were a much smaller business unit. We had like a couple of buildings and now we've got significantly geographically much bigger. But then in terms of the channel mix, so DTC was re- was the smallest channel, but really didn't exist. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big focus of the business. Yep. It's now as of this year is now going is the biggest channel about 40 40 50% of the turnover wow. so that shift moving from predominantly selling into retail is is switched now to um to DTC which is which is obviously positive for for this role and then our, i guess even diving deeper a little bit to that is our acquisition was was very different in terms of what we did it was a lot more organic it was lots of working with influencers and publications and that was kind of organically driving us forward. Whereas now we do a lot more performance marketing. We do, you know, we really optimize all of those channels and with some big plans ahead this year, but it's, it's a very different kind of acquisition model as well. And then I think even from a country mix, so UK, our home market was our strongest market, but by far now our European customers are, are the biggest market significantly for us. So loads has changed there. And then I think just even even that, you know, we even within those five years, that each one of those years has been significantly different in terms of changes as well, uh, in, in in over that period of time. Yeah, and I'm curious to dig in because I mean, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, we had this thing called COVID happen, and for a lot of brands, especially ones that we saw on Shopify as well, you know, B two B was bigger chunk of their business. And obviously that, that kind of forced a shift to D to C. So my assumption is that was probably one of the kind of drivers of why it became a bigger channel, but on the opposite end in, you know, 2021 and 2022, we are seeing kind of a rise in retail. So I'm curious, like what's the reasoning or what's the trend you're seeing as D to C continue, even though retail as a whole for maybe other industries is becoming more of a regular mix of their turnover now. Yeah, I think I think it's probably more to do with the category itself. So, you know, we're still quite a niche category. Predominantly, people use disposable nappies over reusable nappies. And so we're doing a, a great job, as well as, you know, some of, some of the rest of the industry are doing a great job in terms of driving the category growth as well. And I think just working with, on D2C, it gives us a better opportunity to connect with our, our customers and potential customers. And there's i'm sure we'll cover it a bit later as well but there's you know there's some real obstacles and some perceived barriers to the category in terms of using a reusable product on your baby which traditionally in the last 20 30 years has been something you just disposed of and so there's lots of barriers and we do we can do a much better job of talking directly to those customers and potential customers about the benefits and you know helping them on their reusable nappy journey and so that's probably why the the predominant shift is there but also at the same time is I think we've got kind of a real clear focus and strategy now to growing our digital channel. Previously, uh, our e-commerce channel, probably prior to, to 2020, was almost a, 
a, an arm of the business, but didn't really have the key commercial focus that it has now. We as a team and as a business have really matured in terms of that, obviously with over the last five years or so. So I think it's a mixture of things, but also because we keep seeing, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, about 40% growth year on year, that's only going to continue in our in our estimations and projections. So it's quite uh, quite a positive things to us to reach for. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think you are right. It's something that we're seeing more and more, especially with a product that to your point needs some education. And so the, the huge pro of retail is obviously your reach uh, and of potential customers is gigantic. And so it, it plays a, a really strategic area. But on the flip side, the educational side can be a bit limited in the moment the, the customer sees it. So versus you get to not control, but you have a, a lot more say in that direct to consumer. So I'm wondering, like, could you share an example of what you're doing around the educational front on the reusable nappy that you feel like is really driving the sales? Or I'm thinking probably more of the retention side of things where people probably, they get this, they use it once, they get educated on it. And then all of a sudden they go from using, they're using throwaway nappies to I imagine a lot of your customers are only using reusable nappies now. Yeah. So it's a good question. I think obviously just because we've articulated a shift to digital retail still has a very much a key part of that in the sense of that kind of that more tangible touch and feel aspect of the product, because it's, it's, you know, when, when you get that product in your hand, people do really kind of start to fall in love with it because it's so soft and it's so, it's so great for the baby. But in terms of, you know, those, those conversations we have with customers, and I think that's the, the key thing. And so there was a large piece of work that's been ongoing for a while and we're, we're now using as our as our kind of our guidebook moving forward is it's around really understanding the industry and what what are the barriers what are the different stages from awareness to consideration to conversion to retention and understanding what needs to be said at what point in of that journey and and to make sure that you know our those messages are aligned effectively they're simplified but they are aligned and they are really really clear and so a lot of it comes down to that messaging. So understanding at what point we should be presenting, at what message we should present at the the, the awareness stage, and that, you know that's that could be as far far forward as nine months prenatal. And yeah. so we've got a long time to try and to move customers over that kind of consideration kind of hump effectively. And like so, we we do a lot of like different touch points there. We talk to customers all the way through, and obviously try and try and get them onto site and then learn about the product, understand the clear, tangible benefits of the product. Obviously it's significantly better for the environment. You, you can, with one lappy, you can save about 5,000 lappies going to landfill. And then also there's cost saving elements as well. And no better time to talk about that than now with obviously all the cost pressures we've got, especially, especially here in the UK. Um, and so there's no, no, no better time, but there's those two messages are kind of clear and, and we make sure they're concise and those are served at the right time. And then obviously, as you've said, around making sure the product is, is, is correct and it's the right product and we give everything that they need. And then once that they have made that purchase and those customers have made that purchase, we do a job where we effectively make sure that those customers have those regular touch points with us afterwards. So we have follow-up flows that will help educate customers in terms of the usage so it's mm -hmm. it's not just about educating in advance of the purchase but making sure that customers have all the information and all the products that they need to have the best chance of success when using reusable nappies because you know parenthood especially in the early days can be 
completely <laughs> stressful. And what we want to do is make that journey as easy as possible. And so that, you know, customers can, can embark on that reasonable and happy lifestyle. And then, but not even just for the first few weeks, we continue past that and make sure that the information is available and, and people are, and customers do feel supported. And, you know, we have stuff like, uh, we work with Gorgeous and our, our, our customer care teams do a fantastic job of, of helping those customers that have, may have slight issues or want to understand a little bit more about how to use the product. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard from, well, just in general from parents, but some, from some of my friends who have recently had babies, there's this trend of not getting much sleep. So in turn, their <laughs> brains aren't always functioning at 100%. So I think getting access to information that's going to make, just make their lives easier with the product that they're, they're buying makes complete sense. And, you know, you, you touched on a lot of the marketing funnel, the messaging you've gone on. And one thing I'm curious about is maybe this year or the past six months, what sort of things are you testing? And, and this is, I guess, kind of a two-pronged question. Is there something you tested that you're like, this is going to work really well? Like you thought in your mind it should work, but it didn't. And, or is there a story as well where you're like, I'm not, I'm going to test this, but I'm not confident it's going to drive results. And actually you learn something from it. Maybe it did turn out to be positive or maybe it wasn't a positive result, but you go, wow, we know never to do that again. Yeah. I really like this question because prior to 2022, we, we effectively tested everything, but didn't have a, a good structure or mechanism or even a culture in the team to really capitalize on that. It was almost testing for the sake of testing as opposed to learning and improving. And we spent a large amount of time last year and we've really hit the nail on the head towards the end of last year and going into this year where we've we've implemented this kind of culture of continuous improvement and growth. And therefore we focus on this this idea of marginal gains and focusing on testing small items that we and, and only deploying winners. And we talk about if we only deploy winners, we're only going to win effectively. And so there's a lot of those kind of small, not necessarily big, big revolutionary changes. They're all small, tiny things, but they're all focused on kind of a, a clear part of the journey that we think is, is, is needs improvement or has a hole in it, as well as, uh, you know, we can see the, the most, most gains from. And so it's all about kind of having that discipline and focusing on, on, on what's going to move the needle and not get that shiny object syndrome and try and move to, different things so i think there isn't particularly one example but i think in terms of what what did work and what didn't work but i think what we it's, it's a general theme what we we're finding starting to work really well especially this year is about our messaging and making sure and so that's one thing that we have a real focus on this year is how we can further simplify but improve messaging at different stages so we're getting quite obsessive about it in, in a positive way obviously yep. and so all of the tests at the minute around messaging and making sure that you know the benefits of the not just the benefits of the a reusable nappy as a category, but the benefits obviously our reusable nappy, the benefits of the, our products, um, but also as to why they tie up to that problem that is obviously disposable nappies. And so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of great work that we're doing there to kind of further optimize our conversion funnels. Gotcha. Yeah, the more you say it, it does make sense because I think especially in the in this world where more and more brands are direct to consumer and, you know, I working in the space, but also just thinking about the clothes that I buy now and the, the products that I use, they start to, to some extent define kind of our beliefs or like where our interests are. And it, I think the more that people can understand that, the more they really get behind the brand as well. So you saying that actually makes complete sense. And I think, yeah, 
it's just good to hear that you are investing in that. And clearly it's helping drive the results that you're looking for as well. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So one thing I was curious about, and you know, on the show, I've talked to people in various verticals. You are the first kind of nappy brand I've spoken to. What's something that you know, is a unique sort of challenge within your business or industry that you listeners might hear and be like, oh, wouldn't wouldn't have expected that. I think I think there's actually a couple which which are quite interesting and pose diff, very different challenges to us that you often have to caveat when you talk to other digital professionals about it. So one is one is actually kind of the the customer lifetime, or you know specifically the customer lifetime value because. In the grand scheme of things, we have a, a quite a sh- we have a, a set window to acquire a, a customer. So you know that effectively, maybe three months pre after after they find oh nine months prenatal is yep. probably the best way of articulating that is is a real kind of finite time to acquire a customer. And then obviously once they they've, they've made that purchase, we then really only have two and a half to three years to. As a, as a customer to to you know increase incremental sales through other products and accessories that will help them on that journey because obviously the 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 time that their their children are in in nappies and obviously there's other potty training products and stuff like that that we 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 do uh, speak to our customers about but once at the end of that cycle then unless they have another child then we've kind of lost them as a customer they've they've lapsed because they no longer need our products and actually inherently because our product is reusable there's not an awful lot of kind of repeat uh kind of purchases there other than the products that we say obviously will will help that journey and so that that means that kind of our window to to put it bluntly to maximize customer value is quite small but on the flip side of that and the other positive which is also quite unique to this industry is that because babies are constantly being born we're constantly getting obviously those parents, I know I'm not suggesting that babies are making the purchase, but their their parents, obviously there's 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 a continuous flow of potential new customers to get in front of. Yep. And you know, that will never stop, that will keep going. And so we need to do a better job of educating new parents about the benefits of reusables. And that that kind of leads me to my second point actually when you when you said about challenges. So it's around the stigma of the product. And there's we can't we don't shy away from this that uh, reusable nappies used to be a big thing in 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 the in the distant past, and obviously it then moved to disposables. And there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of stigma and, and 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 perceived barriers that we do I think do a great job, but can do an even better job, which is what we're focusing on this year to kind of educate people about those barriers and how either how they're not really a, they're only a perceived barrier, they're not a real barrier, or how yeah. our products can help you overcome that. And so those are those are the kind of the key things really that sit there. I will, what I will say is I'm going to lower the tone of of the pod at the minute, but we get very adept to talking about poo. So that's a, a conversation that we have to talk about quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that is also another conversation that again, as young parents, all of them are having as well because yeah, yeah we're not going to get into that, but it's a very no, no. Good indicator <laughs> of health, is what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it becomes a uh, it becomes normal. So you're sitting around a table and talking about who is is when you objectively look into that you go that's that's not a normal thing but yeah <laughs> it's it's definitely a conversation we talk about a lot yeah makes sense so that kind of led on to probably one of my other questions was so we know that you 
spend a lot of time somewhere. What? Sorry, you spend a lot of time talking about poo, which might surprise people, but more so in your role. Is there where would you spend? Where do you spend a lot of time? Where if someone saw your title or someone in the space saw it, maybe they'd be again surprised that you're spending so much time there. And I know that the answer to this question may shift a lot because your role isn't just a one defined thing per se. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not really sure because I think the the role is so diverse and because it it covers so many different areas i think i think the one thing i would say is that i spend i'm i'm pretty obsessed with but i'm obsessed with trying to build kind of simple but repeatable systems and systems up by that i mean processes yep. that can help keep our team and their focus quite clear so we spend a lot of time kind of working on systems that will help us uh, optimize a certain aspects of the website or you know an acquisition channel and stuff like so I spend a lot of time looking at the data I spend a lot of time kind of building out what may deem to be quite simple but repeatable aspects effectively but other than that I think the role is very diverse like you said it covers you know we cover acquisition retention conversion and, and advocacy but in doing so obviously the team we built out in in 2022 covers that and so we spend a lot of time in the weeds and working on stuff and there's not a lot of a high level conversations going on. It's all very much, you know, get your hands dirty and, and get stuff moved. Yeah. Okay, cool. That make, makes a lot of sense. And to get into the data, to do a lot of these things, technology obviously is going to play a really large role. And I'm curious in the sense of growth and since you started at Bambino, how has technology, I guess, what role has it played in the company's growth since you started to where you are now? Yeah, I think I think the first the first year or at least the first two years were defined by tech changes. So we spent a lot of time we bounced around a couple of e-commerce platforms before obviously we started working together in in, in 2019. Yep. Uh with with Shopify and we spent a lot of time looking at different ESPs and so the first couple of years were very much getting the foundations right. We it took a lot longer than you'd think. But then, you know, from 2019 onwards that's been that's really been scaled back and it's you know we've built the, the entire stack on top of shopify and so i think because of that and and we had this conversation a long time ago i think it's a case of you know a good tech stack and specifically e-commerce platform can be defined as doing well if it kind of gets out of your way if it allows you to do that growth and allows allows you to not even have to worry about anything to do with the tech stack and you're just focused on purely on you know the job at hand, the task at hand. And I'd say that since 2019, that has been the case. You know, yep. we've made a couple of tweaks to our ESP in the last year or so, but I think that can purely be defined of if 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 it allows us to do what we want to do and execute our strategy, then it's definitely a complete positive. Yeah. Well, I think the analogy I kind of like and what I say about technology is, you know, if if it works really well, you will occasionally talk about it, but more often than not, it's when you don't talk about it, that's a good thing. Like my iPhone, I love it, but I don't ever really talk about it. Uh, it just does what I need it to do. And if I need it to do something a bit more, I can find an app for it and it'll make it happen versus it's when something doesn't work and you find yourself talking about it more frequently, frequently with your team that I think that's where the actual friction lies. And then you realize maybe what we have isn't the best thing for us. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's that case of like, we don't, we always talk about, the current tech stack, like it's been there forever and will be there forever in the sense of it's not, it just never enters a conversation. It's more of a, it's a tool, 
but it never enters the conversation. And like you said, if it if you start having those conversations where you almost start complaining about things that are going wrong with you, start to say, well, we can't do that because of the tech won't allow us to do it. Then that becomes almost a bit of a, a spiral where you, you spend more time talking about it, complaining about it. Then you have to get into the, the uh, place of kind of finding replacements and then implementation and you quickly lose a whole year. Whereas if you've got the right tech, tech stack to start with, you then spend that entire year like looking to grow effectively. And I think it's safe to say that we wouldn't have been able to grow without the tech stack that we have now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, tech stack, it should be an enabler. I mean, you need to have a great product. You need to have a great brand mission, a great team and people. And then realistically, it's like, put them down, put the tech in front of them and the tech shouldn't hold them back. If anything, it should just help them do their job better. You mentioned something that I know you, you maybe have changed a couple things in your tech stack. When we're talking about kind of, you know, when you start to realize maybe you need to have a change, I'm wondering just to help some people, because figuring out realistically, if, you, if you're if you going to potentially buy something new, it's a process in of itself, no matter what you're buying. And I think the first most important part is really figuring out, do we need to buy something to fix this? So, you know, it could be a general theme, or if you think back to maybe something recently you have purchased, like, how do you know when time to maybe say, okay, let's look for something else instead of trying just to make what you have work. Yeah, I think, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but I think it's it's a case of if you can't get the basics you need it to do well, and you're not distracted by the bells and whistles that come with it, but you can't it can't do the, the basic job well, then it's time to really look into it effectively. And so, and then I think that's when you then start to have those honest conversations. I, I'd never instantly jump at changing tech stack if I don't have a conversation about trying to improve it because you never know what's down the pipeline but at the same time you don't want to spend too long and and throw too much investment in in improving your current platform whatever it is may be uh, only just to find out that a a few months later nothing has changed and I'll be honest with you I've I've had that I've I've done that before I've done that in a role previous to Bamini I've done that in a role at Bamini and so but at the same time, we quickly realized, and I'm, I'm going to throw it back to, I don't want to throw any anyone under the bus, but effectively we were moving, we were on Magento 1 before yep. we were speaking to you guys. We moved to Magento 2 and quickly realized that Magento 2 was not the right thing for us. And we realized that within about three or four months. And it was a, obviously a long, arduous process, but we knew we knew pretty much intuitively that this wasn't the right right move. And so we acted quite quickly to, to, to work with to kind of contact you guys then we started going through that process and and realized very quickly that it was the right move and obviously we've not looked back since so i think it's i think you can really just to, to summarize i think you, what you can really do is if it doesn't do the basics well then there's there's got to be an opportunity to, to look at it yeah 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 i would yeah i completely agree and i think that's the first place to start but to your point as well i think it's really important to always go back and see and try and figure out if it can do something more that it can't because a lot of times too, a lot of tech can do more than what you maybe think it can. And before, you know, as a merchant or an entrepreneur, before you decide to go down that journey, I would look at your current state of things, see what can be fixed. And then yes, if you can't go and look elsewhere. And I'm glad that you guys obviously have not looked back since then. Uh, Last thing on kind of tech, anything that you've recently tested, anything that you kind of got your eye on that looks interesting that you're like wow you know this is a bit different and yeah just anything that's standing out to you um what's a good question i think 
I think this this kind of sits outside necessarily kind of uh, kind of the front end as such, but the we we've got we've got two kind of clear clear, clear focuses this year. One's obviously on messaging, but the other is around our data. And so we um, we we've did a, spent a lot of time last year aggregating our data sources, getting a, a kind of a single source of truth, something that will allow us to find the signal within all the noise and move forward and, and find our areas to, to really focus on and, and test and optimize on. But we need to do, we think we can do more and we think that we, we can get better insights and start to generate better insights just as a process of evolving and, and maturing the team. Yep. And so I'm, I'm very interested in, in what data platforms are out there and what will help us cut through the noise and focus on what's right. And, and what we what's um, what will move the needle, and so uh, yeah, I think it's more around kind of some of the some of the data side of it, and then obviously overlaying some of the key buzzwords at the minute like AI and seeing what 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 the possibilities are there. So I think anything in that space is is still I know there's been there's been a lot of stuff that still exists at this point in time, but I think that's that space is ripe for even more improvement and even more insight and data to come out of that. Yeah. It's a good call out. And I think that's also a theme that seems to be coming with just kind of the economic climate is making more of what you already have. So in your case, it's really, you have all of this data. How do we, how do we leverage that even more for various purposes within the business? But I think it's a question that probably every merchant has, because even when you know what you're doing, there's probably something more you could do. You just aren't aware of it yet. Yeah, exactly. But it's also, you touched on it a bit earlier as well. Things are changing continuously like what was especially within digital what was what was true even three or four months ago is not necessarily true right now and so as the landscape changes as kind of macro things change as people's consumer like behavior changes you know that change like nothing is is set stone you've talked about ios 14 and the, those sort of things like everything changes on such a regular basis that we need to make sure that we stay a dialed into that but b also to be able to capitalize on top of that and make sure we don't, you know, we can, we can continue to grow the business within those, those, those changes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I've learned a lot about the journey impact. I mean, some of the stats that you threw around nappies going into landfill. I know for a fact, my, my girlfriend is a, a big advocate. Whenever I get anything that's plastic, I get a kind of a side eye. So in turn, that happens <laughs> a lot less. Uh, I think if we ever have a child, this will be a non-negotiable once you hear something like that. Um, so you definitely have a converted customer. But as we kind of ramp up here, one thing I'm curious about, you know, they always they have the saying hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, if you think about where you are now and you could go back to your 2017 self, what would you tell yourself and why would you tell yourself that? Yeah, I think, I think this can be boiled down to kind of like three words. And, and the reason why it's such an, on the tip of my tongue at the minute, because I spend a lot of time kind of ruminating on it in, in, in my own time, is just about folk, like focus, simplicity and commitment. And so I say focus because it's so easy, especially in the world of digital to, you know, have that shiny object syndrome to, to be distracted and to, to kind of lose the discipline and, and, and start to look at something else if something's not working. And so just focus on like a key, I tell myself to focus on a key handful of key objectives that move the needle and resist the temptation to add anything else to the agenda, no matter how much the pressure is, just focus on those, th those things. And if you can focus on those, 
then you're going to get achieve more. Effectively, you can throw more resource at it, you can achieve more. The simplicity aspects, like I think it takes even taking the time to kind of take complex systems or ideas. And if you spend the time to try and simplify it, it helps you understand it. It helps you communicate better to your team, but also to the senior team. But also most importantly, if you simplify the message to your customers as well, it helps you know, communicate the value of the product and what and why they should embark on a reasonable and happy journey. And then I said about commitment as well, and it just ties back to the first point about, you know, we try to build systems and process, and I mean system is in, in, in the, the processes kind of uh, angle, and we stick to them, and we do that so that we don't get distracted, and we have the, you know, we avoid that temptation of being distracted by, I don't know, a new type of channel or something that we saw working once or someone's someone's idea, and if we can stick through what we know to be true is as a winning strategy, and we can stick through the bad times and the good times with that, then on the long in the long term you'll win, and so. I kind of, it, most of my life, I keep spending the time to try and focus and, and, and simplify and, and commit to almost like a habit building type thing. And uh, that's, that's the kind of the advice I'd give myself. Very sound advice. And actually one of my my leaders, have you ever heard the the acronym KISS, K-I-S? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> the more, and I think the thing is, the larger your business get, and this is in life too, the typically like, yeah, the larger you get, the older you get, there's more complexity. And so it's really easy to get bogged down by it all. And actually bringing it back and keeping it simple can be hard. But to your point, it's nobody really wants complexity nowadays, unless you, for some reason you have to, especially in business. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there was a time where, you know, talking about complex subjects or being over, overly complicated and trying to make yourself sound smart was a, was a way of moving forward. Whereas I think it's completely revert now. If you can, if you can simplify a complex topic or you can communicate something that, you know, can and probably is in reality quite complicated in terms of, I don't know, different data sets that you've got or different trends that you're seeing, but simplify that down so that you understand it and you can communicate it, you get a lot further along because everyone's on the same page. There's no miscommunication you know it's it's it, there's a lot to be said for simplifying it down and I think that wasn't always the case and especially early in my career I think it made you sound more smart if you were if you were able to to talk about trying to hold different things and, and talk about trying to weave together different complex topics but that's no longer the case now and that's what I've learned over the last few years at least yeah yeah I completely agree well the last question that I've asked every guest on, on the show uh, and it's a really I think it's a personal one that I'm curious about because you know, behind every entrepreneur and behind every business, behind every digital lead, there is a person who is doing a lot outside of work. And so, you know, when you're retired and done, and you look back and you know, you think you're looking at what success looks like, you know, what do you think that would look like to you in regards to your work? Um, it's a it's a good question. I think the uh, is. There's there's two parts, and I know you've just said it to your work, but I think the the first bit from a professional perspective, I'd like to, I'd like to have built a business that has a meaningful impact on the world, and I'm I'm very much dedicated to building something. I love this idea of building something that will will change the world, and obviously I'm part of a team that's doing that at the minute. And so, but I would like to build something that will you know have that allow me to leave a bit of a legacy that lives long long past me has a, a kind of a clear, meaningful, positive impact on the world. 
and then you know personally i can't i can't answer this question without throwing this in here so i have a young family i my daughter was born during covid and i just like to you know leave the world in a better place for for her and see her to to grow up and live a long and uh, and happy life so yeah both of those if i look back in a very again to keep it simple both of those would be a big success for me yeah say the least and it sounds like there's a bit of an entrepreneurial bug probably in, in, inside of you since you've been in the e-commerce business yeah i'd say so <laughs> amazing well kai no i really appreciate the time and that was kai from bambino mio a great personal story from inside a merchant business. And now I know the impact that using reusable nappies can have on the earth. Thanks for listening this season. I hope you either learned something, felt inspired, or just enjoyed the conversations. I look forward to coming back next season with more entrepreneurs, more merchants, more stories, and of course, more learnings.